Hey everyone out there in the land of beyond, welcome to the show. Now play that song. Hey yo, welcome to Beyond the Mat, where it's all about the things and stuff. It's like this and like that, sitting in a lotus seat. We breathe deep from our heads to our feet till we feel inner heat. A little bit of rhythm for your soul. Stretching out your minds from your head to your toes. We in our flow state, we don't know no hate. We end up feeling great though, so we correlate. Coil snake gonna rise sunshine. We take our time to appreciate divine grace. It takes place in a pace in the inner states. From a country road down to the interstate. We contemplate this, we here to make this. We here to break this, but we never fake this. We never hate kids, we in the love vibe. Me and my whole tribe, we gonna try to be fly with the sunshine. Woo! I'm all jacked up on coffee today, folks. So watch out. The words are pouring out of me so fast that I stumble on a few of them. That's what happens when the lips and the jaw can't keep up with the brain. Isn't that the best that we have right now for communication? Lips and brains? That's the fastest process we have. Language. I mean, when I type on a computer, I can type 70 words per minute. That's a huge bottleneck compared to how fast I can talk. And then we take away the keyboard and we start using a cell phone and well, Man, at that point, I'm down to like five or six words per minute or something silly like that. Uh, It's so weird that we're literally going backwards in the process of communication. Symbols are cool. That's why I like emojis. They say so much with so little. (laughs) So little. Look, I'm still doing it. So little. They're probably the closest thing we have to the next phase, I guess, which will be telepathy. And I can't wait for those days. I mean, just imagine there will be such an increase in communication. The speed of thought is way faster than lips, as I've proven here today on the show and actually just proven here again a second ago with the little whatever I just said. Anywho, sometimes, you know, we got to slow those thoughts down or at least learn to ignore them. And what better way to learn how to do that? Then with my new book, I wrote a book, I wrote a book, 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 www.jcoleyoga.ca. Head on down to the book section and click on through. The book is the only one there right now. I'm not going to say the title because this was a relatively clean podcast and we'll just keep it that way. You'll see what I mean when you read the book's title yourself. This book is aimed at the working class, the blue collars, the contractors, the construction folks out there, all the people who do all the things that go on around us that we probably don't even realize are going on because we're off doing yoga or hiking or whatever, working in an office. We don't see this stuff happening. We don't know the ins and outs. We don't know how stressful these jobs can be. And they are stressful. I've worked these jobs myself in the past. Some sites, man, it's hard to get through the day. And it's not the job that's difficult. It's the people around us getting upset and throwing hammers at each other, throwing pipe wrenches. We don't need that stress in our day jobs. Even if they're not throwing them at us, they're whizzing by our heads too, you know? And this book is aimed at those people to help them take it easy. A few tips, a few tricks, tips and tricks. Yeah, tips and tricks to relax and focus on what is important in our lives and learn to let things slide. Like when that guy insults your mother, you don't have to fight him. You can laugh at the insult because it was actually probably a little funny. We can walk away. We can get on with our jobs. 
There's a little byproduct of people who use these methods and it's called increased productivity. You hear that company owners? An increase in getting shit done. So maybe you want to buy a few copies of this for your staff and have them all get on the same wavelength. That's all I have to say about this today. Let's get down to the real business Why we're really here. Tim Pahuda, today's guest. Tim is a former professional baseball player from the Washington Nationals. And we are here talking about, you guessed it, health and fitness, but so much, much more. We get into some yoga talks. We do talk about baseball, hockey, some dieting and food stuff. And then Tim's new endeavor where he's helping people chart a course through their lives with a new program called Life Mapping. This is a really good one, folks. I really hope you enjoy this. And don't forget to throw your hands in the air like you just don't care for Tim Pahuda. So welcome to the show, Beyond the Mat. Uh, focusing a lot on, uh, I guess, yoga, meditation, diet and nutrition, flow state, human optimization, exercising, lots of that kind of stuff going on here. But then we do get, like I just had mentioned off air, we do get into some other wacky stuff. We can go off into the other dimensions of the galaxy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, so hey, thanks for being here. Yeah, that sounds fun. Thanks for having me, Jay. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, obviously the topics you mentioned, yoga, meditation, all of that is uh, right in my wheelhouse. I love that stuff. Oh, cool. Been studying for the last few years. No way. So you do uh, you do yoga sometimes? I do, yeah. Is it a sometimes or is it like a all the time? Uh, I would say it's more of a sometimes. Yeah. Maybe uh, a couple times a month. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm one of those people I was like, hashtag yoga every damn day and yeah, yeah. just killing it every day. And then I started reading a lot about people having... Because there's not a lot of, I know it's been around for a while, but there's not a lot of studies that was done on it. And they're starting to find people are having hyperextension issues who have done too much yoga that can cause oh, really? some issues. Yeah, in, in your later, older years. Stretching so, out ligaments and making joints loose? Yeah, and you know, your knees start bending backwards and you're walking like a flamingo. Oof, that's not good. No, not really. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I kind of laid off the everyday thing. And now I'm like every two days, yeah, every two days, every three days. Right on. I mean, I think it's a great practice just because it focuses uh, like on breathing so much and like calmness of the mind. And I think that's just, that's hugely important. So I like to incorporate it more for that benefit, even than like the physical, physical benefit, even though that's also huge. Definitely. I mean, I love the hippy dippy woo woo side of everything, man. I'm I'm the first one. I'll be the first one there in in a tie-dye (laughs) t-shirt. Right on. I'll be right there with you, man. (laughs) Cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, a... I mean, I liked that stuff, but I didn't know when I first started doing yoga. I started in LA when I lived there in 2015. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I was just... I was there in 2015 too, actually. Oh, no way. Yeah, Where, where, where were you? I lived about five blocks up from venice beach oh right on so awesome. we, we lived right in venice i lived on the street that's the same street as gold's gym 
So Gold's Gym was about two blocks down from me. Okay. It's like the biggest Gold's Gym in the world, Venice Beach. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing, man. I met so many, I met so many actors and musicians and things like it was, it was incredible. But I oh, mean, cool. they were like, look, there's like a lot of famous people come here. Please don't bother them. They pay the same yeah, yeah, fee. <laughs> they pay the same fee to come here to work out just like you do. It's not a photo op. But I mean, then there were the obvious days when it was a photo op. I mean, like Lenny Kravitz was there one day in oh, like cool. his full outfit sunglasses and everything and he's he's signing pictures (laughs) taking pictures signing autographs yeah yeah, all that uh that's cool i think that's there was the there was a new terminator movie out around the same time i was there so arnold was around quite a bit Mm. Uh, but i mean he wasn't there in the same kind of you know like oh i'm here to sign autographs he was there working out working out yeah yeah. and uh (laughs) yeah i remember my friend I don't know the names of the machines, but it's one where you sit down and you push down with your arms. And we just called it the oh, down. We called it the down machine. <laughs> and sounds then, like, like a seated tricep or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, pushing down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're seated you. and you're pushing down. And there's like you're a seat. from like your armpits down to like your hips down, like straight down. So, so yeah, you'd have like two fists at your hips and they would be like kind of like your shoulders raised up. So they're maybe up at your ribs and then you'd grab these handlebars and push down yeah, yeah, yeah. and exactly then back up. And uh, so my friend who I was there with, who was spotting me, he's like, Jay, taps me on the shoulder. He's like, look next to you. And I looked and I was like, oh my God. And it was Arnold on the very next <laughs> machine next to me. And I had to, I was like, I don't care. I don't care about the rules. This is so incredible. I jumped up. I'm like, man, I just got to shake your hand, dude. Like you've provided so much entertainment in my life yeah, yeah. through your movies actually. and everything. It's incredible to meet you. And uh, what did I say? I said, said something about, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm from Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia. And so I didn't say Nova Scotia, but I just said, I'm from Halifax. And he was like, Nova Scotia, it's a beautiful province. And I'm like, oh my God, he knows where I'm from. Yo. <laughs> like I just started That's awesome. total fanboying over Arnold right away. Like, oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's pretty cool. And then he just started, you know, he's like cracking jokes too. He's like, hey, you get back to your workout. Stop talking to the girls. <laughs> which, is, which is what everyone's there doing. Just talking yeah, right. to girls. Like, hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Pretty cool time of life. Yeah, there. that's pretty amazing. I lived in um, like off of Highland Avenue and the 101, kind of by the Hollywood Bowl in Hollywood, like underneath the Hollywood sign-ish. Right. Man, yeah, I it's never... a totally different part of town. It's like 10 miles away. Yeah. It took like an hour to get out there. An hour? Oh, my God. Probably <laughs> depending on the time of day, I couldn't believe to get from Venice to like uh, – just to go up to watch a movie or something like we would uh, to go to like a filming in one of the studios or something like that. I mean, we did that touristy stuff too. Cause uh, yeah, we, yeah, we were three yeah. Canadians who had just moved there and uh, oh, it, yeah. So we went and did all that stuff. So for us to get from Venice to up there, yeah, yeah. It could take three hours depending on the time of day for traffic. Insane. Yeah, sure. Whereas like around here, you know, we're talking about like a 20 minute drive turned into a three-hour traffic jam yeah yeah yeah. my uh one of the when i moved here to denver like that's a question i get all the time because i tell people i moved here from la like do you miss the beach and it's like shit i'm I'm (laughs) 10 miles away and i think i went like five times a year and a half that i was there because it's such a hike getting over there yeah 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 uh i don't know it's an experience man that exchange holy shit driving through that exchange (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh, the 405, like the 405 along Venice and Santa Monica where, and Manhattan. Yeah, where they all meet. They all there's like three. I think there's three massive highways that converge into one giant <laughs> megalithic. Uh, <laughs> Just insanity. It's like, okay, we're not doing this again. Can we zigzag yeah. through some neighborhoods next time? They're like, no. yeah, we I can. Traveled, I, tra- I traveled quite a bit when I was in LA, so I was I would make the journey to LAX to fly out, and oh god, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That interchange is just brutal. Yeah, yeah, but getting around through the the side streets inside isn't so bad either. Yeah, no, it's not terrible. Yeah. I mean, once you're in the individual like towns that LA is kind of made up of, it's fine. Yeah. It's getting like one individual town to another that's like madness. Yeah, and man, that's weird. But it's so they're so contained. Those little towns like Venice is so contained. There's everything you yeah, need. You don't everything. you don't yeah, ever have yeah. to leave. It's it's all yeah, there. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, same with Hollywood, same with like Beverly Hills, same with uh, the valley of like Studio City. Everyone has like everything they need in one spot because nobody wants to get on the highway. No. <laughs> they can avoid it. <laughs> exactly. The, the, yeah. the creepiest thing was leaving L.A. because uh, I was in a band, so we would tour around a little bit and heading mm-hmm. out of town, you know, we would just like we pass like. It, it it was just never ending, you know. You'd think like, okay, it's over now, and then nope, there's another town and another subdivision, and then there's another little set of grocery stores and gas stations off to the no. to the right that you could exit through, and then you keep going through subdivision, subdivision, valleys. Oh, look, another one. It just never seemed to end, and then eventually we'd yeah. get to like a little patch of desert, and there'd be like a little bit of rolling hills, and then once you'd get through that, bam, back to another town. Yeah. Wow, this yeah. this place is so. It's filled up. There's so many people there. I think, I think California has the population of all of Canada. I think really. That's, I think that's what the statistics were. It's oh, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So like, and that's the other cool thing about being there, man, is that there's so many people that you, when you have an idea, you can just make a business and you can sell it because there's so many yep. people who are ready to like jump on board and like, yeah, this is such a cool idea. So you have support. Whereas I find like in Canada, like I'll have a great idea and I'll be like, let's do this thing. And it's like, eh, you know, maybe five people in the city are like, oh, whatever. I might come out. <laughs> it, it makes it, it's challenging for sure. Uh, especially, yeah, I what that is. What's that? What is that? I wonder what that is, what that social, that seems like a community phenomenon. Difference Is it because a lot of people move to LA, so a lot of people are not from there. So they're looking for new stuff and new people. I think it's I also... I think it's because the rent is so expensive and the houses are so small that people aren't comfortable just being in all the time. So they're always looking for external things to do. Whereas here, our houses are massive. You know, we sit each on like one to two acre lots, each house, Uh, you know, and and then the houses are just giant. What would be considered a mansion in Beverly Hills is just a house here. (laughs) Do you know your neighbors? Yes, I do. That's cool, at least. V- vaguely. <laughs> I, lived in like a, I lived in like, a, I think there were 60-something apartments in this apartment building that I lived in in Hollywood, and I didn't know anybody until like I was about to leave town. And I put up signs around that uh, I was like selling a bunch of my stuff and like getting rid of it. And then I met a whole bunch of people that wanted my stuff. <laughs> right when it's time to leave. Yeah, exactly. Best time to meet everybody. Like, oh, we could have yeah. been friends all this time. We could have been hanging yeah. out, doing stuff, man. Oh. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And everybody pretty much just stayed in their apartment. You were either in their apartment or you were like gone somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. I found that down in Venice, it was a tight knit community and very inclusive. They didn't like 
outsiders too much. So luckily mm-hmm. my, my friends who had moved there moved a year before I did. So they, you know, they infiltrated the Canadians went and infiltrated before I got there. So they had already That's set up. Yeah. They had, they had a whole friendship circle going down at the Venice Bistro and it was, it was pretty cool. When I got off the plane, we went right down to Venice, <laughs> Venice beach and, and played a show. So like, it was like, here's the house drop your stuff off let's go and it was it was halloween (laughs) night so put a costume on here's some stuff let's go i'm like oh okay that's That's a great story yeah uh yeah i don't think it could have landed any better than that the leaving was a little more sad and chaotic uh yeah i was there illegally for probably six months and then i would have stayed longer but my passport was about to run out so there's really no way Nothing you could do. Nothing I could do. It's like, if I go to the embassy to renew my passport, they're going to be like, yo, you've been here too long. You got to go. <laughs> and if I just, uh, yeah, I didn't want to risk it. I didn't want to get caught, you know, because I've heard of random checks on people. Oh, you're a Canadian? Really? Let me see your passport. I've heard of it. I didn't know if it was true. And hmm. uh, I just, and then there's the other thing, like if you get caught doing that, like you're kicked out for like six years, you can't come back oh, to really? the States. Yeah. And I was like, huh. it's probably better if I just go go back home and figure some things out here. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. How long have you been back in Vancouver and on Vancouver Island? Uh, well, I'm not from Vancouver Island. I'm from the other end of Canada, from Atlantic Canada oh. on the East coast. Okay. And, yep. uh, but I, I'd never been out West before in Canada. So I was like, you know what? I already know. I already know what's back East. Forget about those guys. I'm going to go explore <laughs> some more of Canada. So I went to Alberta and I didn't really like Alberta. That's when I started exploring no. uh, British Columbia and I really loved it here. So yeah, 20. Where's Alberta geographically? Right next to British Columbia. Okay. Just to the, just to the east. To the east. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Is Alberta. So the only town I've ever actually been to in Canada at all is Winnipeg. Winnipeg. That comes like next. That's like after, I uh, guess. That's not, a, keep, not Alberta. That's no, it. no. That's like next to Alberta. If you keep going gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. to the, to the right. Yeah, so it's been an exciting adventure out here, and I'm now. I've since then I've gone all the way back east and all the way back west again a couple times. Driving or flying? Flying halfway and then driving the other half. That's that's cool. Uh, teaching yoga all the way, which that's has been awesome. been a blast. Uh, taught yoga for two two to three years, all the way back east, and all the way back to here again. That's really cool. So you're just doing like pop up classes. Yeah, I would I would do some pop-ups, just advertise a little bit. Uh, friends who have studios or places to do yoga, those free yoga in the park or by donation kind of things, those are always fun yep, to do. Yep. Uh, yeah, those are great. Those, that's kind of what I find myself going to is finding those little niche ones that are like one-off. Like yoga in the park's great. I love being outside. And Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're kind of dangerous though, man, because – if you uh, if the teacher doesn't have insurance and you get hurt, there could be some issues that come up from that. Uh, so mm-hmm. they really are trying to get all the teachers to have who are going to do like stuff like that to have their yoga insurance. insurance. Yeah, I mean it yeah. only makes sense if you're t- if you're doing physical stuff with people like that and they do get hurt, you could you can put them out of work is the thing, and uh, yeah, so someone's someone's got to take care of that. If it's yeah. your, if it's I mean, I, I would love the attitude to be the, like that person put themselves out of work by doing yoga <laughs> and then like you don't have the liability for that. Cause you're just the teacher like guiding the practice. But yeah, 
Oh man, you got to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's just how it is these days. Yeah. I mean, you hurt the wrong person and they're the victim and they'll, Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll take it out on you. (laughs) Yeah. But, But I mean, it's most people don't, overexert themselves in a yoga class if anything they yeah. underexert yeah. themselves i find that's mm. the, the most challenging thing because you get only get what's that is the it's a challenging thing to get people to push themselves yeah yeah for sure uh mm. because you only get what you put into it right like yeah. for me i go all out and all the time through most of the class i'm like really exerting myself like a mountain pose like i'm fully flexed everywhere hanging on fully tense mm. where some people are just hanging out willy-nilly like oh, whatever thinking yeah. about their phone if how many messages <laughs> they got and i'm like trying to concentrate like okay is my back straight are my hips aligned yeah, is my yeah, shoulders yeah. down is everything and uh <laughs> like, i'm here having a hard time sweating and they're just like la 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 i'm like looking at them like why are, you, why are you here? Did you just pay money to come stand? Really? Like, uh, I teach, uh, I actually teach spin classes also. And that's, that's one of the things I find too. I mean, I, I, I always, I basically say in the beginning of every class, like this is your workout. You're only going to get as much as you put into it. And I'm going to be up here working my ass off. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if anything, I'm just getting paid to do a really good workout for myself. Yeah, yeah, and you guys yeah. can do whatever. <laughs> Come along with me if you want. Okay. I have a silly question. Um, yeah, yeah. What is a spin class? Oh, okay. Uh, it's indoor cycling basically. So stationary bikes. Right. Uh, with like resistance knobs uh, and levels and we just I take people through like a one hour workout and we usually you know stick to like an aerobic type of zone in the beginning and then we pick it up at the end and kind of and and like anaerobically and we just just like an hour long bike ride pretty much oh, with cool. music pounding and you know we got speakers and system yeah. and there's usually seven of us in there I've seen them happening before, but I didn't really know that that is what spin was. I, yeah, it's fun. I, yeah, it's actually really fun. I, I like honestly it. thought people were just in a room, like, spinning, like, twir- twirling. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's a dizzying sounding thing. Oh, like, oh you mean, like, <laughs> you're like spinning around in circles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, that would, be, that would be tough. I get dizzy pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, do a lot of, I can do an hour of just spinning around. And I was wondering, why is this so popular? Like people are spinning, like there must be like resistance ropes or bands or something involved here to swing, <laughs> swing them back around. I don't know. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, anything to escape the existential dread. <laughs> I find. Yeah. I think that's one, that's one of those things that's great about like uh, working out and yoga and span and really anything that you're like a hundred percent focused on is everything else just kind of falls away. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think that, uh, and I like that term existential dread. It was on a, on a meme. Uh, don't let it set in. Don't let it set in. Don't let the existential dread set in. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes. Exactly. I love it. Uh, oh, it, man. It, don't do that. No. Uh, yeah. I, so I coach people now, like, on an individual basis. And that, that like, that, the language that's around that. Yeah. Like, um, the program that we're using is basically rooted in neuro-linguistic programming. So it's how people talk to, you know, how people interact verbally with other people in their world, their community. And then, you know, also that same language is internal as well. So if, 
if often people are saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, they're saying that same stuff to themselves. Mm-hmm. And really the only thing your brain hears is the actual action part. Right. Yeah. Like don't eat chocolate. Don't eat chocolate. It's all you're like, hearing is eat, eat chocolate. chocolate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah, is a huge part. That's a funny thing to try and like get across to people, you know, cause like everyone has this like, don't do list. And man, I'm victim of it right now because uh, you've probably heard of Sober October. Uh, mm-hmm. I've started doing, for anyone who missed Sober October, I started doing No November, where you learn to say no and set healthy boundaries for yourself. So I like it. I have a huge list of no's for this month. And uh, for anyone I listening, think- for anyone listening, this podcast is being recorded in November. It probably won't come out for a little while after this, but uh, right. yeah, saying no all the time, like, okay, don't eat that and you're like "Mm, now that's all i'm thinking about it's all i want right now Mm." yeah and switching that like mental thought from don't eat that to like the positive eat eat something like eat that as your alternative eat your alternative like that it's a big shift Mm -hmm. but it's also kind of a small shift Mm. but it feels completely different like don't eat chocolate feels completely different than eat vegetables (laughs) like eat vegetables is like an action like do that yeah i'm gonna do that yeah don't eat chocolate's like I'm um, restricting myself. Like that doesn't feel good. No, no, it doesn't. You don't want to restrict yourself by adding like don'ts and no's. You yeah. want to expand yourself as much as possible. And you can, it's just by switching the phrase around and the way you talk to yourself about it. Like you'll have a totally different experience of it. Yeah. And it's all, it's your experience. It's your language. Nobody will even know what you're saying to yourself for the most part, unless they walk into you talking to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and man, I feel like this comes back to, uh, you know, trying to distract ourselves from, from the existential dread, uh, eating, you know, that pops up all the time. I think that's one of the most yeah. common things because it's right it there. It, you're so close to food all the time. There's always a snack machine somewhere. There's always a fridge yeah. somewhere. There's always, and you can't, you really can't hide from it. It's like, uh, or you can't hide from the data behind the questions. I, I usually start a conversation with somebody because my, my background is in health coaching specifically. So I'll start a conversation with somebody b- basically based around four things, diet, sleep, exercise, and water. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. And we'll dig into other things, but you can't hide from like what you ate for breakfast or what you had for dinner last night or lunch the day before, like how much sleep you got, how much water you drank this morning. Like those are just answers that like you can't hide those are database like answers. Yeah. I like to start there and establish like habits and behaviors that are like setting up a person's entire life and then start digging into why those things are. Like why do you have that attitude about food, about water, about sleep, mm-hmm. about exercise or movement, whatever you want to call it. I'd I'd like to get to the bottom of the water thing because for me and I'm a Pisces, it shouldn't happen, but I can't drink enough water, man. Like I try mm-hmm. so hard. I get like a mouthful and I'm struggling to like one mouthful takes like three swallows to get one mouthful of water down. And I'm like, the stuff is so gross and it makes me bloated immediately. And like, I don't want to do anything. I feel all swishy in my belly. And I, I, I don't know. I just don't like it. Whereas like some people are just like, ah, water. And even when I've been like running or exercising and I'm pouring sweat, everyone's like, Oh, you gotta drink some water. I'm like, Ugh. Ugh. No, no, thanks. <laughs> it's one That's of those, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to unpack that, you know, back to whatever childhood happened where I don't like drinking water. (laughs) 
Mm, that's a good question. Uh, what, what's the first uh, experience you remember? <laughs> like, when's the first time you remember thinking water's gross? <laughs> I can't even remember back that far, man. It's been so many years. <laughs> I, I think it was the, probably the first time I ever tried water, and I was like, ooh, this has no flavor. <laughs> Where's it's the, the lack of flavor. Lack of flavor. Like. Yeah. But yeah, it is the lack of flavor, but I can get past that. I eat a lot of bland tasting stuff in the, in the wacky diets that I do. So mm. it can't even hundred percent be the flavor. There's something else tied to it. But like I said, the, it's hard to swallow even and, and that bloated feeling. And, you know, like I can't drink water and then do yoga. I can't drink water and then fill in the blank. It's like, I need to really carefully plot this out. So for, first so thing in the, I, I would say that you actually are carefully plotting this out already. Did you hear those like last three can'ts you just told yourself? Uh, I drink yoga and do water. I can't drink water and do like you're telling yourself that right now, and you're listening to yourself in the back of your head. Well, so when you go drink water before yoga, your your subconscious brain's going, "We can't drink this. We're about to do yoga. We can't do that." It believes well, you. Like your brain believes you. I'm kind of speaking out of experience, though, at this point, and. Uh, in, in, so in my experience, it has been that when I have had water before yoga, I, I can't do a forward fold properly. My belly's full. It's all swishy. I feel uncomfortable. Mm. I guess that's where it comes from. Maybe I've associated water with being uncomfortable for all the physical things I like to do. That could be possibly it. Well, you see how that would keep you from drinking water before you do anything physical. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like on a – like. Uh, intellectually, you must know that, you know, if you're sweating, you need to replace those fluids. Oh, you need to. Definitely. <clears throat> yeah. I like to think that the 12 mason jars of tea I'm going to drink today are going to replenish some of that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Tea, tea hydrates. I mean, it's better than drinking coffee. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> man, and I, I cut out black tea as well. I've, I've been reading mm. a lot of, I heard that's not the, one of the best things for you, the black tea. So. Uh, why, why is that? I actually don't, I don't know the research on it. Yeah. It's more of like a Ayurvedic kind of thing. Tea is like one of the heating foods can cause, yeah. uh, skin rashes and things like that. I've been really trying to cut out. I've cut so much stuff, man. I'm, I'm down to like basically broccoli and spinach and kale. <laughs> <laughs> right on. That's good. It's easy to maintain that diet and it's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's in abundance too. It's everywhere. You know, there's no shortage of kale and broccoli anywhere. Uh, no, there's really not. But that's why I mean, like, it, things can get a little boring around here with the diet. Mm -hmm. so it's like the mm -hmm. exact same meal every day of the week. And then, you know, by Friday, you're like, okay, you got to do something, man. You got to do something to twist, twist this up a little. And uh, that's, that's where the trouble, I think, for most people comes <clears throat> in doing, like, extreme dieting is that they kind of push it too hard, too fast, too much. And then it's like... Uh, I, I, I can't do this. I need a break. I need to like, uh, and then bleh, then the binge happens and then you've eaten so many chocolate bars or whatever it is your thing for the weekend. Uh, for me, it would be like, uh, I would eat like some vegan ice cream. <laughs> oh, we're wilding out today. We're wilding out. We're going to eat some co coconut like ice cream. Like That's uh, a good splurge. It's worse. I mean, it's better than a lot of alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the key pro programming that I've done for myself is when I look at, you know, I'll be in like a, a dollar store, you know, and there's a sea of chocolate bars floating around you. And you're like, that's all plastic. That's what I tell myself. It's all plastic. 
You don't want to put plastic in your body. Plastic isn't food. And I just, like that. That's, a, that's actually a good good mantra. I've burned that, man. So many times I've said that, that, yeah, it's 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 almost disgusting now. I see someone eating a, a chocolate bar. I'm just like, ugh, like, you're just literally putting plastic. Why don't you just eat this pen? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I do know, actually. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, yeah, you, I mean, I would say that my, uh, my big deal with food that I discovered over the last few years is that, I mean, my mental habit around food was that it was for comfort and I was viewing it like if I get in a stressful time or, you know, something not necessarily good happens, uh, like I'll binge eat something that I know is not good for me. Like I'll eat a whole pizza. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not because I need pizza. I need a whole pizza to survive. It's because I don't know, on some level in my brain, like I think that'll make me feel better. And maybe there is some kind of chemical release that happens mm. when I do that, that does make me feel a little bit better, but there's a million different ways to get that same chemical release and not have the negative effects of eating a whole pizza. Yeah. Yeah. To say that. So it's a matter of like teaching myself that there's other alternatives for comfort in times of struggle than food. Well, yeah, particularly unhealthy food. Yeah, Man, but everybody like I had to learn that on an individual level. Like that's obvious to say that out loud, and like intellectually, I would have known that three years ago. But it didn't mean it changed my habit of what I was doing. Like I didn't actually like learn it, learn it, right. have like the full well knowledge that I can manage my suffering elsewhere right. rather than on the plate. Yeah. It's hard to figure that out too, especially at, at the younger ages as we grow up, like we don't put two and two together that like, Oh, I'm hungry because of this issue that's happened in my life. That's making me to feel bad about how things are. Like my neighbor just got a new car. Like, why don't I have a new car? Um, I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't see those connections. <laughs> you know, next thing you're eating that whole pizza. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. but then again, you might be sitting in front of the TV watching a movie and you're just kind of like snacking on a pizza, snacking on a slice. Oh, look, the whole pizza's gone. Oh, imagine that. Like, and you don't even think that you, you, you didn't binge it. You were like, oh, um, I gotta have this. Oh, it's just been a casual thing that's been going into your mouth as you're watching a, a movie or a show or something. And then next thing you know, yeah, it's, it's gone. And you're like, yeah, I'd refer to that as like mindlessly eating. Mindless. Yeah. Yeah, you're just not really thinking about it at that point. You're just watching the movie and it's just, it's there. So you're eating it. It's there. Your hands are moving, hand to yeah, mouth. Yeah. Mm. I think yeah. that's why they try and get people to eat popcorn, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> it's like a light, light snack. I was looking yeah. at, man, popcorn is like all carbs though. And I'm doing the keto diet right now. So there's no carbs. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, popcorn is like, 75% carbohydrate and it actually when you pop it it actually goes up to like 70 really? 78%. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know something about the popping that expands it I guess. I don't know. Sure. Maybe it's because the shell is hard to digest if you were to eat it it maybe it wouldn't count <laughs> like the seed. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all kinds of different cooking and like the things that we do to food affects the nutritional value. So I guess it's not all that surprising, but I've just never heard that before. That the carb level goes up once you pop popcorn. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. If anything, you would think it would go down because of the heat being applied and, and the pressure. And 
don't know. Maybe yeah, but then releasing. you can put butter and salt on it too. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're just talking about just the popcorn itself. I know, I know, I know. just the carbs in the popcorn. Yeah, I like to drizzle a little coconut oil and some sea salt on mine, and that's about oh, yeah. it. That's nice. about it. That would that would yeah. be another uh, a treat night. Would be like a bowl of popcorn for me. I'd be like, oh yeah, popcorn and vegan ice cream. We're going crazy tonight. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Back to oatmeal and salad tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oatmeal has quite a bit of carbs in it too, man. Just oh yeah, that's push, true. You wouldn't be able to <laughs> swing the oatmeal with the keto diet. Uh, the one thing I miss is a, uh, and I've, I've been trying all these different uh, recipes out. So I started becoming a, a sleuth and investigator of, of creation and mm-hmm. trying to figure out, I'm like, okay, I want to make a keto friendly cookie. That's not a dry dust puck. Because <laughs> usually that's all you get. You get this crunchy, ugh, disgusting, who knows what, the, what's holding it together. And I found something called psyllium husk. And okay. psyllium husk is like a, it's a powdery kind of substance and you mix it in with, uh, so like almond flour and coconut mm-hmm. flour, mix those three together. The sil- So carbs are a binding agent. Carbs are what holds everything together, gives it that fluffiness kind of texture to it, keeps things spongy. Yeah. Uh, when you make something like these cookies without anything that's that, that's holding it together, they, they, they turn to those dry, crunchy, bleh, nothing. Uh, I tried to so make these, the, uh, the, would you say psyllium husk psyllium, that keeps it together? That psyllium, binds it? Yeah, psyllium husk. It does have a lot of carbs, but it has for every gram of carb, it has a gram of uh, fiber to erase that gram of carb. So you're totally in the nice. clear at the end of it. And uh, I know, I think maybe is that how you net out? Is that how you net out carbs in the yeah, during the keto diet? Yeah, fiber. Yeah, fiber cancels them out. Cancels them out. Right and uh, yeah, if you're into like measuring and all that, I, all that measuring was way too much work for me. I was like, I'm just going to cut out all the carbs. I'm not going to eat anything that has carbs in it. I'm not going to eat any sugar anymore. Just get rid of it all. It's way easier than weighing your food, these little portions and increments and doing the math and you get your phone out and I'm like, ah, this doesn't seem appealing to me. So I'm yeah, not going to do yeah. that. But I do believe the possibly the coconut flour might have a little bit of carbs in it. But it would be such a small amount that you're not going to go over your your daily limit anyways. And uh, yeah, so those three things together, sometimes I'll throw in some peanut butter, a little bit of uh, baking soda and salt. And this recipe makes, you can make pancakes with it. You can make cookies. You can even make like some chocolate chip cookies. If you throw in some dark chocolate, chocolate chips Mm -hmm. in it. Uh, And you can make muffins and it, it rises a little bit in the oven. That's awesome. So it's been, it's been the greatest little thing. And for to sweeten it up, I throw stevia for sweetener in it. Tons of stevia. Oh, it's so good. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I've been delaying now for like a month to put this recipe together and put it up on the website. Yeah, you should. I'm sure other people are probably searching for the same thing. That keto diet's pretty popular now and I'm sure people are missing their muffins. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, pancakes was a big one. I mean, you can't put the syrup on, obviously, but even just the flavor of a pancake, uh, the pancakes take a little bit different. You put some cinnamon and some nutmeg in it, and it gives you that uh, pancake-y kind of flavor. And uh, Yeah. yeah. But man, again, it all comes back to all these external things trying to distract us from from life, you know? There's always a new distraction in the way. Yeah, uh, do you think that's what it is, too, the... I mean, I don't know. I like I, I like what you're doing, by the way, in terms of trying to do a bunch of different diets and crazy stuff. Like I, I, 
I strongly advise being in like a scientist in your own life. And that means experimenting, especially on yourself with stuff like diet. Yeah. See what works best for you. Cause it, you know, obviously and, there's 7 billion people in the world and there's that yeah. many different diets. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and only you are really going to know yourself too. Uh, right. Right. And how you feel. Yeah. Like that's what it's based off of. You, if you're doing the keto diet and you feel a like crap after two weeks. Yeah. Don't do it. Maybe the keto diet's not for you. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I take a, such a basic approach to dieting and it's just, it's a macronutrient, just carbs, fiber, protein, and fat. And you balancing those four things for like your individual self or whoever I'm talking to or for themselves, like figuring out how much of each you need and to keep like, try to keep all four of those in every meal you eat, obviously this doesn't go with the keto diet if you're cutting carbs. Mm. And I have also another conversation with somebody about carbs being complex versus simple, like during this conversation. But, uh, like having all four of those in every meal, just that's, that's fine for me. Yeah. If I have all four of those, I'll feel balanced. I won't be like starving. I won't, I won't, you know what I mean? I won't struggle to the next meal and I'll feel like I've had a complete like balanced serving of food, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, man. And so I do vegan as well. Plant-based diet. You do? Uh, Yeah. To make just, you know, just to make things harder. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Let's go extreme. Let's go all the way extreme, man. (laughs) Pretty soon I'll be like one of those, they call them breathitarians. If I keep cutting and cutting, I'll be just eating air every day. (laughs) <laughs> but uh one of the coolest things i found and well i say cool but then some days i'm like it's not so cool was that my sensitivity levels went way up when i went to a plant-based diet i can feel i can feel myself and like i can just tune in so like sometimes you'll get those hunger pangs and you're like oh i'm hungry and then you go like okay hang on am i really hungry or is this uh, just distraction or life or whatever something getting in the way and you can just stop yep. and tune in and you're like you know what no, I feel my stomach. I'm actually not hungry. There's no, there's nothing going on there. I ate, I ate breakfast. Everything's good. Okay, let's move on. Um, yeah, that's big. Eating, Internal awareness, by the way. A lot of people would have eaten way before that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just grab something. Uh, and yep. then, but I mean, especially on keto, there's no, there's no reaching for an apple or a pear or anything like that. Mm. So a, mm. a lot of the things are off the shelf. And uh, eating like a high vibe kind of diet, I know that sounds a little hippy dippy woo woo, but like organic vegetables, for example, that really also increases your sensitivities. But let me tell you, it sounds cool and everything. Oh, you can tune in, you can feel things like, well, yeah, but you also feel electronics being on in the room. You get like ringing really? noises in your head. You feel, you feel those vibrations? I feel electronics. Uh, you get like wow. this empath thing going on. You start to feel the emotions of other people who are around you, which isn't cool. I mean, you got to really, it's man, those waters are so hard to navigate. Like you're walking through a grocery store and all of a sudden you start feeling anxiety and, and anxious and angry all at the same time. And you're like, Oh, I just got to get out of here. Meanwhile, there's like little kids next to you who are crying because their mom won't give them the plastic chocolate bar off the shelf, you know, like, uh, and you've, you've, you know, assumed some of their, their energy. Uh, wow. So yeah, there's are pros and cons to increasing your own sensitivities. And I guess it depends on what you do in life. If you live somewhere where maybe you don't have to go into 
grocery stores and, and do all that kind of shit. If you can just stick to farmer's markets, and I guess if you lived in more of a countryside kind of lifestyle, then yeah, that would be great to be totally sensitive at one with the earth, feeling the vibrations of the ground and everything and, and the animals and the trees and everything around you. That would be great. But when you take one of those people and throw them into a city, you know, in a shopping center, it's just like Overwhelmed. sensory overload. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then you look at like the marketing that's going on and they're blasting your psyche with colors and sounds and smells. They're mm. pumping oxygen into the air and the, the light coming from up above has all been designed yeah. to make you uh, just want to buy stuff. You know, there's that. And then they're doing that to little kids and people are bringing their little kids into these environments. And then you're expecting these kids to behave. And it's like, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't even behave in this environment. Look at the crap you just threw in your shopping cart. You want this kid to not grab a chocolate bar off the shelf? Like this chocolate bar was designed for that kid's eyeballs. That's why they're down at ground yeah, level. They're, so looking they're, at it. they're looking at it at ground level too. There's that eye level chocolate bars. You know, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. The healthy chocolate bars are all up on the top shelf. They don't have any things down low for the kids, you know? Uh, yeah, it's generally nothing at eye level is good for you. No, no, no. It's pretty funny. I'm six four, so my eye level is a little higher than most people's. Oh wow! Oh wow! Uh, so I see uh, over see over the crappy products. Well, I'm five nine, so I'm, I'm up there too. Yeah, yeah. Man, there's a lot of there's a lot of short people in the world. <laughs> and, yeah. What is it? Somebody recently told me the average height of males was less than I think it's less than five nine. Five, eight. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've noticed a geographic height thing too, depending yeah, where, where I've traveled in, in Canada, uh, different places you go. You're like, wow, everybody's short here. Oh, everybody's really tall here. And I've been yeah, places where I've, I've been the shortest guy in different places where I've lived. And I'm like, oh, this is, yep. this is different. And uh, um, yeah, that, I got a plane to, I got on a plane from LA to Minnesota at one point, And I was the, one of the shortest people on the plane. And I'm usually one of the tallest. And I was like, <laughs> man, Minnesota is full of tall people. <laughs> Uh, how does uh so you used to play baseball did that i did yeah 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 how was the was the height an advantage in baseball i man that's a good question i think it depends on your position i guess and maybe how you use it too i i was a first baseman and a third baseman and and a hitter mostly so i mean i think height's definitely a good quality at first base you're I cover more ground. I can catch more things than somebody who's shorter than me. Just yeah, hitting wise. I don't know if having longer arms is an advantage or a disadvantage. I mean, at some level it must lengthen your swing. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. a pitcher, certainly having like a longer reach is better. The less time a hitter has to react, the better. So if you're letting go of the ball six inches closer, it makes a difference. Wow. I've never even thought of that. I don't know very much about baseball. My cousin used to play baseball mm. just in like his high school. And I used to go watch him play. And man, I had asthma as a child. Mm. I don't even like to identify as now saying I have asthma because I don't. And mm. uh, yeah, I could run 10 feet and I'd be out of breath. So sports for me was like totally off the shelf, off the table. Gotcha. I just wasn't, gotcha. wasn't a fan of running anything to do with being active. And uh mm. And so having sat on my ass for the first half of my life and then finally figuring out health and fitness, 
And I'm like, oh, now I just want to, now I want to run. Now I want to do things, you know, I'm like, I've, I've, yeah, I've missed out on every, all, all this fun stuff with everybody. I'm like, I gotta mm. make up for lost time now. Uh, mm. So, but yeah, so I don't know much about any sport. Uh, I don't, and you know what? I'm ashamed to say I'm a Canadian. I don't know anything <laughs> about hockey. I couldn't tell you. Oh man, what, you're what lose they, your audience. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what they're doing, <laughs> what they're doing. <laughs> Uh, I remember I one- love hockey, everybody. <laughs> uh, I know they fight and they skate and there's some sticks and pucks and nets and somehow they figure out some system of scoring. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think you basically got it. I, I like hockey a lot. I actually think it's it's my favorite sport to go to live, like to watch. Yeah. It's such a fast-paced game and back and forth. and Right. Uh, yeah, I really like it. Whereas, I, like, uh, it's like football has like all that downtime, right? Like, yeah, football does. Baseball does. Football's tough because unless you're sitting like really close, it's such a big field and there's so much going on. I mean, there's 22 guys like crammed together over the ball. Hmm. It's like you can't. I've been to NFL games where I can't even tell what's going on. I'm basically watching the jumbotron above the action to see what happened. Right. It's like I might as well be at home watching TV. <laughs> No man, you're in the bleachers. You're eating that oh, that, that cheese, those corn yeah. chips and the cheese. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, those ten dollar beers, which is that's probably cheap actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's where they get you the beer. Yeah, the beer. That's that's definitely where they get you. I, so baseball's the same way. I mean, the money comes in from concessions. They make money on tickets too, but mm. keep people in some place for three or four hours. Like they're gonna be buying food and drinks. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> get way more. You're gonna get hungry, and even if yeah. you're not hungry, everyone around you is eating it, and you're like, "Oh, that looks good." And the smells are wafting over. Like, oh, maybe I'm gonna, I'm gonna have my cheat day on a Monday maybe instead I of a Friday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good time to get those cheesesteak nachos. <laughs> There's something about that cheese, though. I've been to hockey games too. There's something about that cheese. That's just, you can't get it anywhere else other than a sporting event. The cheese that comes with those corn chips. Oh, they're, they're like those, the like Dorito shaped corn chips without the cheese on them. But you dip it into the, the molten cheese. Yeah, they like give the it little corner one. of the plastic thing. Has yeah. The cheese oh, slot in it. I'm sure, I'm sure that's actually plastic. <laughs> Probably is. <laughs> Don't the, worry. The container that it, the food is in might have less plastic than the food. <laughs> They actually melt down the containers in the back to make more <laughs> cheese when they run when they run out. <laughs> oh my! Okay, uh, so I, I so baseball. I'll try to explain it as simply as possible. I mean, I was drafted a couple of times, but I signed with the Washington Nationals. This is Washington D.C. out of um, out of college in 2005. And the way baseball works. Uh, is a little bit different than other major sports just because they have a more thorough, I don't know if thorough is the right word, but a, a more in-depth like minor league system. And it's kind of built like a ladder. So if you, if you picture like every big league team at the top of a ladder and right. on the, you know, on each of those ladders, there's six different like minor league teams that would be like rungs on the ladder. And you basically work your way up the ladder. Right. Play if you're playing better, if you're playing well, you get moved up. If somebody ahead of you gets hurt, you get moved up. If they need a first baseman and you're the first baseman, you get moved up. If they need a pitcher, which is highly likely that they will need a pitcher, the pitchers get moved up a lot. And you basically work your way up the system with the big leagues being like the pinnacle. 
Okay. And, um, you know, in the big leagues is really the only place where players make like a substantial amount of money. In the minor leagues, it's just you're playing with, you know, <clears throat> I guess uh, you're playing for the light at the end of the tunnel, you could say. Right. Right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I, I signed with the Nationals in 2005, and I started climbing the ladder. And I made it up to double A, which is two two rungs, to keep the metaphor going, below the major leagues. And I was there for two and a half seasons. And I played a couple of big league games during spring training, but uh, never made it to the big leagues during the regular season. Okay. And in 2013, or after the 2013 season, like in the winter of 2014, I decided to retire and start over. So it's been, oh man, four years now, five years of trying to figure out life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So how do you even get, how do you even get signed? How does that happen? Uh, so there's what they call the first year player draft. It happens every year in June. And it's a couple, I think it's, it was 51 rounds at the time that I got drafted. And every team picks 51 guys out of college, high school, international players too, are eligible for the draft. And once you're drafted, that team that drafts you basically has your signing rights for a year. Okay. And if you sign that contract with them, which I did, obviously, it's it's a seven-year deal that everybody pretty much has to sign. The first, first deal is seven years long. Right. And everybody signs that first deal. And it's the pay structure is set up at those different levels on the rungs of the ladder. And, you know, you can have little pay bumps here and there by having more experience and by moving up in levels. But you really don't make any money until you're in the big league. So my starting salary uh, was in rookie ball was ten fifty a month, a thousand fifty dollars a month before taxes. Okay, which is nothing. Yeah. And then when I finished my contract with the Nationals, I was in Double A, and I think I was making eighteen hundred a month. Okay, just also nothing. Yeah. And I did sign back. Um, as a free agent. So I ended up making a little bit of money my last year with the nationals, but <clears throat> hmm. yeah, that's man. That's they, interesting. The way it's all set up like that. Yeah. Like it's that. got, it's uh it's there's a, it's actually quite the hot button issue. There's a, there's a class action lawsuit going on between a bunch of representatives from minor league baseball, uh, who is, who are suing major league baseball, who's responsible for setting up that structure the way it is. Huh? And if you take a look at all the effort that's put in, all the time that's put in, the pay structure that, by the way, those numbers that that only you only get paid that during the season, so right. five months a year, six oh, months a year. So then you got to still do other things on the side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's very few minor league baseball players that are just playing baseball. I mean, they may be doing other baseball related jobs in the off season, like giving lessons, which is one of the things that I used to do a lot teach kids how to play baseball um cool yeah so you're giving something back to the industry at least yeah yeah absolutely i mean you're i mean not that you really have well i guess obviously you always have a choice but i think that's a pretty popular way for minor league baseball players to make money in the off season is to go home wherever they're from and teach at high schools or uh hitting you know hitting baseball fielding whatever facilities uh, yeah, I mean, you work out there, you hit there, and then you teach kids to to work out there too, and that's 
that's pretty common uh-huh. and it's necessary because like i said you're not getting paid you don't get paid for those six months yeah seven yeah man you're still you're still a professional athlete you're still under contract from the nationals the nationals are still my my employer right but they don't pay me right but even during the season like you're so during the season you have to like you have to keep in tip-top shape so you have to still see if and when you show up to spring training you got to be in tip-top shape yeah so when you show up in february you better have been working out for the last five to seven months oh during your off time yeah, and you're not getting, you don't get paid for any of that. No, no. <laughs> that's just un that's just hours that they've considered, well, you're a seasonal employee and it doesn't like you you don't you're not ex, you're you're expected to do that because if you show up and you're out of shape, guess what? You won't have a job very long. Wow. <clears throat> so here in Canada, if you're a seasonal worker, they go on something called unemployment insurance. So it's a it's a system that you pay into while you're getting paid. Uh fishermen uh, there's different uh, industries. There's uh, oh, and then you get paid out of that right. fund it's, in your off season. Yeah, it's fifty five percent of what you were making before. So yeah, if you're making yeah, just literally, it's pretty much half. So you would be getting just a little over five hundred a month if you were making a thousand. And uh, then a thousand a month in the off season, you would you would say you know my season seasonal job ended. I'm here. I'm collecting my unemployment now for the next so and so months, and you would make what that same five hundred. You'd make well, no, you make the five hundred in the off season. So let's say oh, make fifty five percent in the off season. You don't mm-hmm. give up fifty five percent during the mm-hmm. during your pay. No, they take a small percent. They take like four gotcha. percent or something off of every pay. Yeah, I was going to say like that, that seems steep. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because they're only giving you yeah. And I mean, it used to be a lot more. They used to give out a lot more, and they used to be able to have it for like a year or more. Now they have stipulations put in place to. They're, they've been cutting and they squeeze and cut and squeeze and cut yeah, as much yeah, as they can, yeah. or like as governments do, you know, everywhere. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. Uh, I mean, you know, that's socialist Canada. Everybody wanting a handout. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, the rest of the world has to work for everything. The rest of the world doesn't get to go on unemployment. Do you know this is a luxury? Well, I should have more. It's like, we just gave you 800 bucks, dude. Go, go. Use it and go and do something. But last year you gave me eight fifty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I was banking on that eight fifty. I need to go down to Cuba this winter. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah. So uh, that's seasonal work is man. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's I've, a, I've done it. I've been on that yeah, unemployment. Yeah. I've been that guy complaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess that leads into like where you're getting into like this uh, new business. Uh, yeah, that's right. I, I started a business about a year ago and specifically in coaching and uh, working with individuals. Right. And then I wrote an article for an online publication called Baseball and Business, which is retired baseball players that are in some sort of business. And really the article was written about coaching as um, – like an opportunity for athletes to look at when they're retiring from their sport, which is a common, like, uh, it's a hurdle. I mean, anybody who dedicates that much of their life to one thing and then it's gone is essentially left feeling lost on some level, Mm. unless they have some greater plan beyond baseball, which, or their sport, which most athletes don't because they're dedicating a hundred percent of their time to that goal. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I wrote that article and, um, my coach and business partner now read the article 
His name's Jim Brown, and he invented life mapping in Australia over the last five or six years. He's kind of put together this program and been using it with his clients. Right. And um, really what life mapping is, is it takes a simple idea of like creating your future through telling yourself a story about the person you want to be and putting that on the visual platform of the actual map. Okay. Um, it's hard to explain without actually seeing the maps, but if you picture like regular, like earth-like topography of mountains and lakes and rivers and, you know, prairies and trees and all of that. Mm -hmm. As we've all seen on our Google map, when we've accidentally clicked on that, on that button, and then we go back to the regular (laughs) map right away. Exactly like that. But instead of being like shapes, like you're familiar with, like the United States or Canada or wherever, Mm -hmm. these are just random things that, my partner makes, you know, he makes in an art program. So he creates these random lands and we, there's 20 different map templates. We call them. And we ask people to go through a workbook that takes them through evaluating their ideal self, their ideal future, their challenges and their tasks. After they've done like that workbook, we take those results and we put that on the map template that that person has chosen in certain places. We kind of put it all over Um, I coach people using that, you know, using that visual map as like the platform for our discussion. So I get on the phone with a client of mine and we're talking about their life, Mm -hmm. but we're talking from the perspective of looking at their life map and the ideal self that they're trying to create, the ideal future that they want to live, the challenges that stand in their way now of living that life and being that person. And the tasks, which are two to five year things that they see themselves needing to do to live into being that person. Okay. And we take that map and there's like a coaching program that kind of goes along with it. And I help people develop a story that they can tell themselves so that they can live into being that person today. Right. Yeah. Because it's all about, yeah, it is all about telling yourself. And I have this joke that I used to tell people about how, if you walk down the street every day and some guy punches you every day, there's no stopping it. You know, it's coming. You can look at it as a bad thing or you can just be like, Oh, excited for my punch. You can totally (laughs) flip the script on yourself. And you know, everyone around you might be like, you're crazy, man. I wouldn't go down that street anymore. I'm like, Oh, I have to go down this street. It's the only street from my house to my work. And I get the punch on the way halfway through. Well, can't you fight the guy? No, there's no way around the punch. So you could, you can literally transform your own mind. No, punches are good. You know, it, it builds character and you can tell yeah, yourself yeah. a story like, about, I don't need a cup of coffee after that. It wakes me up. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you can, you can, oh, you're totally diluting yourself, but that's okay. I, I totally, I mean, we all are anyway. Yeah, exactly. We're already diluting ourselves oh, yeah. on, to, to whatever our programming is. Right. So you're exactly right. You can reprogram yourself to be diluted in another direction that actually serves you better. Exactly. Why not program yourself instead of letting the outside influences of society, hence those chocolate bars, plastic bars at the store, program you to what's going to happen and how you're going to think about things. Um, I just want to read a little excerpt from the life mapping website where on, uh, there's an about me kind of thing for Jim Brown. Yeah, and please do. so it says many years ago, I started my career as a contractor at NASA, became a corporate executive, then a global management consultant. I have degrees in both engineering and physics. I'm a master practitioner of NLP and I've published uh, books, dangerous undertaking the search for transformation. And um, so this is such a common, it's such a yeah, common, it's, a, it's an, it's an impressive, commonly heard tale 
of people, you know, like, oh, the Wall Street guy who he did it and then realized like, oh, this is bullshit. Like, I need to get out of this. I, I need to go find myself. And, it, you know, that seems to be the most common tale, but we don't ever hear about people who screwed around for their whole lives, you know, into their 30s, uh, 40s and 50s, who then pulled themselves out of it. So I'm interested to know if you guys ever, if you ever work with people like that, who have like, they're almost a little far gone. Like they're almost past the time where it's like, we can't help you. And I'm I mean, more- that is exactly the people that we want to work with. Okay. Like, uh, like, well, it kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier about motivating people in like yoga class. Mm-hmm. Like the people that we want to work with, like as coaches and as our clients are the people that are like almost gone and they realize they're almost gone and they see where this is headed in another six months or another year and they don't want to do it anymore and they want to create something else. They don't have a tool to do that. They feel lost. And when you're lost, you need a freaking map. And that's, <laughs> that's right. why this whole thing came about. And that's how we help people find themselves by creating themselves into what they want to be. Right. Man, and myself, I'm an experiential learner. Like I can mm. read all the books and some of it will sink in. I can watch all the videos and some of it will sink in. So first and foremost, I'm an, I learn through experience. But secondly, I'm a visual guy. So for me, you know, having a map is definitely a really cool thing to have in my face. Uh, yeah, me too. I mean, it was it's huge for me, not only as a person developing my own life map, but as a coach with other clients, like having the visual that I can meet them exactly where they are because they've made that map and we're both looking at it together. We're sharing a perspective and I'm we're talking about them where they are right now. Right. And that's like, like having that establishes like such a better conversation. And when I was Honestly, when I was <clears throat> coaching prior to having life mapping and coaching people that didn't have life maps or I didn't know about life mapping yet, <clears throat> I was taking people through like a planned program. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was talking to so many different people that I was mixing up who was who. And that was a real problem for me as a coach. And honestly, now that I have these maps, like they're like a fingerprint. And the story that goes with them, even if somebody were to pick the same template that somebody else picked, the words that came out of doing the workbook and the words that go on the map and where they are and the conversation we have and the story that that person creates about their life and living into that person is completely different. Right. So it's, I don't, I don't mix up people anymore because I have a very clear visual of what Dan's life map looks like. Right. So I guess it's the difference between, let's say let's say you're meeting a room full of maybe five people and each of those people is a book, right? All you see is the cover and you're gonna have to open the book and read and check out chapters and everything and close the Mm. book. And there, that's Mm. the person as opposed to, instead of a book, you look at them as you can see their map. It's not something you have to, so you you don't have to dig so deep, you know, it's a picture, it's a visual, bam, there it is. There's everything all laid out all in one shot. Boom. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I guess. How are you being this? Like, how are you being this ideal self this week? How were you? How were you being your ideal self last week? How are you going to be your ideal self this week coming up? How are you being your ideal self right now? Right. And those are like three questions, I guess, anybody that's made a life map because they've taken the time to go through it and decided what they want to be with their ideal self. And they know exactly what I'm talking about when I say, are you doing that? It's easy for me to hold somebody accountable, like using this. 
tool. And I've often, I send text messages to clients that aren't even words. They're just a picture of a part of their life map. <laughs> and a question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's up to them. Like that's a big principle that kind of overarches over the whole life mapping process is any of the meaning, any of the context that gets like, put on these maps or like uh, supplied to these maps or the story that's created. Like it's all self-created by the person who's making that map. So I just mentioned Dan and it's just cause I happen to have Dan's life map sitting in front of me right now. Hmm. Dan has created a story that's that revolves around this whole thing and it's all his story. I've done nothing but ask Dan questions. I may give him a little tidbits of curated information here or there to gently nudge him in one direction or another, but he's the one that has to decide what everything means. He's the one that has to decide the story. And it's important to him because he does that. Hmm. So are these examples of the map that are right on the website? Uh, there are some examples on the idea of the website up in front uh, of you now. Yeah, I do. So there's kind of like this topographical <clears throat> map in the background. Uh, there's a video that kind of shows some of this stuff. Yeah, that might just be me talking briefly. We're at, we're actually planning on loading up a bunch more video on our website just because it seems to be moving to more of a visual direction. If you go to uh, the Life Mapping Starter Package, which is the uh, tab at the very top, Life Mapping and you scroll, Starter Package. Okay. Scroll to the bottom of that page, you'll see some examples of templates. And there's there's 20 different templates once somebody goes through the workbook and then goes to pick their map. Right. No, there's 20 different maps and they all look completely different specifically for that reason of like, we want people to choose one that they resonate with, like on an intuitive level. Right. So we take so, it through like the analytical process of the workbook and then the in intuitional process of picking a map, which is just blank. Mm -hmm. And then we put that all together and, and I coach people with that, with the tool. So I just clicked through them and I, so I lived in a mountainous region before. I'll never live in a mountain again. So I don't like that mm -hmm. one. Um, the coastline, the central one where you're kind of landlocked. I don't really like that one. There's one with a giant lake in the middle. That one's okay. Uh, I guess I really like the one that's an island. Mm, cool. Uh, that one resonates uh, that, the most with me. That one's cool. And this yeah. is, well, I think there's, I don't know how many go through on this thing. Five or six. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. another 14. Oh, wow. Okay. One, when you make your map and you'll find one that's like your map and everybody that's gone through this process so far has found their own map. Yeah. Yeah. And I like this one. It looks like an animal. It looks like a sheep because there's like this mountainous region up top that kind of makes like a sheep's head and he's got these like uh, feet the coming one. down the island one yeah, and his tail sticking out of the top. <laughs> oh, it does look like a sheep up there. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I would have totally picked this one here. So what are the different regions like within this, each one would kind of represent different aspects. So let's just say hypothetically you went through this process and you made a life map using the life mapping starter package that you just clicked on there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you would go through the workbook. You would pick this map if this was the map you did pick mm -hmm. after you saw all the other ones. Right. And you would enter the information from the notebook or from the workbook, which is 12, we call them future attributes but they're specifically focused around ideal self, ideal future challenges and tasks, which I've mentioned a couple times. You would go and you would pick this map. And so you would enter those 12 attributes. You would enter the letter that like um, this map is associated with. They're all The maps are all identified with just a simple letter so that you can write down a letter and close the window and like forget about it. Right. Um, that stuff gets entered into our website. And then Jim 
or Jim's wife, who are the only people that actually make the life maps, will take those words and put it on this map. I can't tell you where ideal self and future and challenges and tasks would show up on this map for you, but they would, all of that would show up on here. Okay. Some way. And oh. where things are matters. And there's a story that kind of would evolve out of this whole thing that you would have to develop. Mm. And I, as a coach, would help you develop that story. Right. And so, again, you look at this and in an instant, you know where I'm at, you know what I'm working on. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Oh, look exactly. at that. Down exactly. at the bottom, it says this is map C and its name is Fairyland. Of course, I would pick. Fairyland. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. Right. C. So, hypothetically, if you were to go to the website after you had done the workbook and pick a map, you would write down C and you would close the window and you would enter all that information in. And then two days later, you would get this map in the mail with your words on it somewhere and then I would call you and we would talk about your map for a half hour. Okay, And that's cool. all included in the life mapping starter package. So we're trying to make it as simple as possible. It is brand new. So it is educational. I have to kind of explain it to everybody like thoroughly. Mm-hmm. But well, hey, the you're, idea is you're, for you're kind of explaining it right now, which is really cool for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I'm like going. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to keep it as simple as possible for like anybody to make a life map. So we kept it as inexpensive as possible. It includes coaching and somebody with an e- anybody with an email address and a hundred dollars can create their own life map like today using our website and have a 30 minute phone call with either me or one of the other coaches that we've certified to use life maps. Okay, man. So my partner and I, I like train it. other coaches too. I, I like it. I like the whole, I like the system. I like the idea behind it. Like the visual. So is there also some kind of system for accountability? Uh, there, I mean, that's that honestly is what a coach is. But this device should theoretically be the uh, accountability partner also. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I'm one of those people you too. Made this tool, I talked to you, explained it to you a little bit. And then you had a struggle in your day-to-day life and you needed to check yourself against what's really important to you, you would open up this life map and look at it and see if you're living within the range of what you've set up and the story that you've told yourself, right? Right. So if you want to be this ideal self and there's three different things on there that are really important to you being that person, you can check yourself in day-to-day life to see if you are being that person. And if you're not, that's, there's a conflict that you need to discuss with somebody, whether it's a coach or somebody else. Mm. But theoretically you'd be able to check yourself using this map in your day-to-day life without needing a coach. Okay. But I mean, still, you still have to go and open the map. You still have to do it. And I mean, this is where, well, that's, I mean, that's a metaphor. That's a metaphor for life. (laughs) (laughs) You got to do the thing Uh, that, you you know, and like they say in yoga, like that's the hardest part is stepping onto the mat is getting there and arriving and showing up. You've, if you've done that, you've done most of the work because that's the resistance before that. So for me, yeah. that's where my resistance would come in. I'm telling you right now, I'd be like, oh, I got to go open, look at my map. And then be like, yeah, I'll do it later. Oh, I got to look at my map. I got to do it, man. Like you haven't even looked at it once today. We're getting near 10 PM at night. <laughs> um, uh, so, but for, for me, accountability would be, you know, someone texting me or there'd be some kind of automated message to like, you know, poke a little fire under my ass. Like, come on, let's go. Let's go. You paid for this thing. Let's do it. Yeah. And a lot of that is grouped in with, with coaching. When I actually coach people with a map, obviously I do that sort of accountability. Um, the other th- part of the process that we're kind of working on is like a, 
it's not automated. It would be like a video version of the coaching. Mm-hmm. So somebody could essentially use the videos as their accountability coach when they don't have an actual coach or they haven't hired an actual coach. Right. Um, I would say that if a person like goes through this program and develops their life map and like really understands the story behind it and gets it, you wouldn't even need the picture anymore because you'd be able to see this in your head. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I closed the, I closed the, that window down a few minutes ago. I can still see the sheep when I close my mind, when I close yeah, my yeah, eyes, there there's go. the sheep. <laughs> so if we can burn into people's minds, what they really want mm. and the life they want to live and the people they want to be mm-hmm. like, that's, that's what's important. Like that's to me, that's, that's an impact of getting clarity in your life. And it doesn't tell you what career to have or what job to do or whatever, but it tells you what type of person you want to be just right. bigger. Right. Yeah. Which is more of a, a foundational kind of step, right? You're not so focused on the end goal as you are building up the proper foundation to get that person to the end goal. Yeah. And that's, what's great about this thing. I mean, you close the window now, but none of the stuff that'll be on this map outside of the words that you come up with, which would be labeled, like it'd be up to you to decide what, what do those five volcanoes mean? that are on the Southwest side. You know what I mean? Right. There's only one person that could decide that, the person who made up the map. Right. It's an it's a like a an ongoing land of discovery and development, and there is no final draft hmm. until you die. Right. Which is also part of the metaphor. Okay. Yeah, that's so cool, man. Yeah, the volcanoes would be some kind of turbulent time of my life, I guess. Ex- explosive times. Uh yeah, that's what you decide. More of the the years when I was uh, performing on stage all the time, those high, mm. high impact, let's call them yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> high impact years. Yeah, those are my baseball years. <laughs> oh, it's funny the parallels you can find between things. Like, <laughs> Oh, man, it's unbelievable. I talk to people all the time who have made transitions in their life like similar to an athlete leaving their sport. I mean, somebody leaving music or a band. Mm-hmm somebody leaving the military, going into regular civilian life. There's, there's big life transitions that people are going through all the time. And those are hard. And we're not alone. We're not alone. Just, there's people right next to us doing it. And you might not even know, you know, it's true. Like it's you true. just, like you just said, someone leaving the military and, and exiting through a, a sports industry or going through the same emotions and the same process. You know, the, yeah, it's the, the same the, loss of identity. It's like I've built my life around this for the past however long it's been. And that's what my my programming now is this. Exactly. Yeah, man. And I think I feel like I built up as a musician. I built up most of my life around that, you know, and then when it was time to switch, well, I lost so many friends and I lost my whole network is gone. They don't want anything to do when you're dealing with. You know, people who like to party, 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 sex, drugs, rock and roll. Let's flip this hotel room upside down and then leave and laugh about it. Ha ha. Like, uh, let's crash a car and, and run away. And let's, uh, there's just so many Dude, things. You were hardcore into the rock scene, huh? <laughs> it was actually. <laughs> Throw uh, TVs out of hotel windows. <laughs> actually, it was, it was rap music, man. So. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, rap? it was a hip hop, hip hop crew. Uh, a few of them. That's- and, uh, so, which isn't usually associated with that kind of stuff. <laughs> They're usually just, they just smoke some weed and chill in their hotel yeah, and play some video games. <laughs> no, we're like, 
you know, let's, let's flip all the furniture upside down and let's turn the TV upside down and then put the dresser upside down on top of the TV. Let's turn all the paintings upside down. So when the maid comes in, <laughs> everything's upside down. It'll be so funny. You know, we used to do crazy shit like that. That's funny. Yeah. yeah that sounds to me like, uh, oh shit, like kiss or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you go? So you go, so there's, there's my network, right? Crazy people yeah, yeah, doing yeah. crazy things. Yep. All, all the, all the parties. And then flip over into like yoga and meditation. So I've lost my network. <laughs> They're gone. They've Dude, abandoned me. I, They're like I Jay's lost. I players about this, like where I'm at right now. It's it's not it's not necessarily the easiest type of communication. No, no, it's weird. But you know what? The people who are ready to receive the information yeah. are ready to receive it, and they'll resonate, and they'll come. They'll they'll come come over. They'll hang out with you. You know, I haven't yes. lost all my friends, <laughs> but uh, sure it's friends. such a so good. You got a new one. I'll, I'll be a friend, man. Oh, cool, man! Thanks. <laughs> we're doing. We're gonna do a house swap. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a scheduling nightmare in itself, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my! Jeez, man. We we. Oh, Sorry. No, that's okay. Hey. Um. Yeah, I don't want to cut this off, but yeah, somebody's here. That's okay, man. Hey, we've we've been at eleven, but he's a half We've gone over an hour, man. It's been really good talking to you. So thanks for being here, Tim. Uh, Thank you. Again, that was uh, the website is lifemapping.me. So if anybody wants to check that out, get on over there. Get Tim to help you out. And yeah, we'll talk to you again soon, man. This has been great. Yeah, thank you very much. My email and phone number is on that site too. If anybody wants to look me up, uh, give me a call, ask me questions. Facebook, I'm on there. Like, come find me, man. I'm looking for friends too. Awesome. Cool. Well, goodbye, everybody. All right. Thanks, Jay. Oh, yeah. That was another one of my favorites. I am super interested in these life maps. They're so cool. I'm looking at it on the screen. This fantasy island, it really looks like a sheep. I could definitely live on this island. It looks like a fun and relaxing place to be, man. So yeah, once again, the website is lifemapping.me. If you think you're on a track towards doom and gloom, what can it really hurt to try them out? If you're on a path of self-destruction, what harm could a life map really do for you? Like none at all. If anything, if it didn't work, you could go right back to harming yourself. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't harm yourself, folks. Please use Tim's program. Use any program. We can all pull ourselves out of the slumps. It just takes that first step, making that choice, that decision, that wanting something better, or maybe not always even better, maybe just something different. A change of scenery can often change our minds. And that's it for another week of things happening beyond our yoga mats. Peace, love and light, namaste, and all that other good noise. And we are out of here.